0: Welcome to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we break down Bendis' iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1-160 through 160 in Earth-1610. I'm Zach. I'm John. How's it going today? Going pretty good. Um, so, I just popped out of our, our little room to li- to listen to a audio test that we had done, and just in the span of doing that, John, I've got... Uh, a little story to tell you,
1: something kind of interesting. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Yeah. Lay it on me, or save yep. it to the end. But 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 let's do it at the top of the hour. Yeah, I've got something
0: else for the end, something that's a little less impromptu. Okay. Um, so the other day, Shyla and I were in the car, and she's like, "Someone is weird, is trying to send me something on Snapchat." Sex married, by the way. Yeah,
1: married man. Yeah. We're so if you got any advice, how I pulled that then you know, write in as Zach. Yeah,
0: but she was like, "Some weird guy is trying to message me on Snapchat. His name is My Al." <laughs> yeah. And she's like, "Oh, it's my AI." And oh. <laughs> have, did you know this that there's like an AI function now on Snapchat? No, I didn't. So I. Got hit with like the notification for him too while I was like looking in a Snapchat waiting for the audio to load. And I started talking to him and he says, my AI. Hi, Zach. I'm your new AI chat box. You can ask me just about anything and I'll do my best to help. I'm always here for a laugh and you can give me a name if you'd like. Is there anything I can do for you today? This guy sounds like a tool. I I think he is. <laughs> um and I have feelings and thoughts about AI in general. And so I ask, is AI ethical? And he says, I think AI can be ethical, but it depends on how it's programmed and used. And I was okay, like, okay, that makes sense. I was like, can you elaborate on that? And he said, sure. AI can be programmed to follow ethical guidelines. But it's also important for the people using AI to make ethical decisions. And I said, "Do you have feelings?" <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "As an AI, I don't have feelings in the way that humans do, but I understand emotions and respond accordingly." I said, "You're not like HAL 9000, are you?" And he goes, "Ha ha, no, I'm not like HAL 9000. I'm just a friendly AI designed to help and entertain people." And I said, I think Hal was supposed to be friendly, too. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I I was thinking. I thought that's what Hal would say also. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, No one designed Hal to kill his crew. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um,
1: a movie, on a different note, that's a movie I've never seen before.
0: We've talked about this before. It's
1: one of my favorites. But it's...
0: It can be inaccessible to people who are just used to very modern movies um but you guys okay. sometimes Con- yeah i will yeah. continue uh so i said i think hal was supposed to be friendly too and he said that's true but things didn't quite work out that way for hal i promise i won't go rogue on you <laughs> and i said why do you think there's such a wealth of fiction predicting rogue and evil ai that precedes the invention of real ai And he said, I think people have always been fascinated by the idea of machines gaining consciousness and turning against their creators. It's a common theme in science fiction because it raises important questions about humanity's relationship with technology. This thing is really smart and (laughs) well-spoken. That's what I'm thinking. It freaking passes the Turing test.
1: OK, know what, what I, d- I, I know that because I've I've seen the imitation game like a million times and it's one of my favorite movies. But that's like if a computer can or if something is not a computer, if it can like do two things or something, you'll have to let me know
0: if it can.
1: If a human can have a conversation with it and not know that they're talking to a machine Then it's not a computer. Then it's not a machine. If a human can have a conversation with it, isn't that what it is? Then it's not a machine. Like yes, it, like
0: that's the point where it has theoretically surpassed, like, just being a machine. We don't know though. I mean, if that's a valid measurement, but it was kind of the gold yeah. standard for
1: as long as AI was not possible. Well, I wonder if. You tried to have such an in-depth conversation with it about something else. If I just keep pressing it. Well, we'll... I I wonder if Snapchat and specifically people who make AI in general, they load it in with all of this knowledge on other AI because they know it's going to get asked that question. Whereas if you wanted to talk to it about like something else that is not so mainstream with ai maybe it would like glitch out a little bit more i
0: don't know so this is going to date us very specifically to our generation but you remember
1: cha-cha the restaurant cha-cha no i must not be thinking of the thing that you're thinking chi-chi's i was thinking of (laughs) chi-chi's no
0: no i don't know cha-cha text two four two two four two, and you could ask it any question and it would answer it oh yep yeah yes see I think that was like tens of thousands of preloaded answers and questions probably pulling from like some internet source I think that's what you're talking about I think AI the way that it's made is specifically supposed
1: to be different from that hmm well, I wasn't I wasn't talking about pre-recorded answers. I'm more talking about... I assume the way AI works is they, much like a teacher teaching a kid over the course of, you know, 20 years, they just, like, download all that information into it in, like, you know, a second. They just, like, input it in. And then, you know, like a kid doesn't just memorize things once they learn it, they can speak about it. So, so maybe they're like, that's, that's what I meant. Maybe they're like preloading all this information about AI and all these papers that people have written about AI and all that stuff. So now it can like speak effectively about it because it's learned all of that. Yeah. Which, I think is, definitely so, which is
0: scary. <laughs> has databases on anything that it can pull yeah. from out.
1: Yeah, Probably.
0: I don't know where those sources are, you know? I don't know if it's learning from, uh, like, academic papers or Wikipedia or where, you know? Oh, gosh. I still am <laughs> nervous about it. I still feel like there is potential, not necessarily for a literal HAL 9000 situation, but um, I think AI definitely needs some regulating. I think we definitely need to pump the brakes on it. I think it can destroy a lot of industries and lives and hobbies. I mean, you know, in 10 years maybe maybe you and I aren't sitting here doing a podcast because an AI generated voice is doing a better one over the same thing, you know? Like and you think I, Jen and Spence would rather listen to them. Well, maybe they think they were listening <laughs> to us. Maybe you and I are AI right now. It has our voice patterns, oh and it's gosh. just putting in oh my the stupidest <laughs> words through that. I well, mean, the listener have... won't know. That's the scary thing. You don't know. You know, Deep fakes and AI and all the, all the technology that everyone has access to right now, it really bothers me that
1: we don't know how to rein it in yeah. and keep
0: it from bad actors.
1: Yeah. Have you heard of the paperclip test? Have I mentioned that to you before? I think I was talking to it about my brother or talking to my brother about it. So it was like a chat GPT thing from like a couple of months ago, or, or maybe it was one of those other things. It was some AI thing that was in the news. And within like one conversation, this AI was like, Started the conversation exactly like the Snapchat one. Like, hey, you know, how's it going? I'm just a friend. And then, like, through the conversation, by the end of it, it was like... A I Nazi. need to try to get the nuclear codes to bring on nu- nuclear Armageddon. <laughs> like, and... And that's what the paperclip test is. Is, like... It, or maybe it's called, like, the paperclip some experiment or whatever. But it's basically... You could give an AI any command, anything that it's supposed to do. And if the AI is smart enough to learn on its own to like how to do better at the task it's given, then it will eventually lead to the annihilation of the human race. And the, the theory is like, even if you told a machine, your goal is to just like produce a paperclip like one paperclip every minute and then it would be like okay well i can do this better than that and then eventually it would be like well i can do it way better if i set up like buildings that manufacture paperclips and then it'd be like well if i turn the entire world into a paperclip manufacturing plant then that so you know it's it's silly but it's it it i think the point is like that ai can't differentiate between good and bad things it just does what it's
0: told and that's part of what I was getting at with like the Space Odyssey reference is even back then, before they had AI, they kind of inherently understood if you give this machine one task to do, it's going to prioritize that over everything else. So if it says if you tell it, you know, you are in charge of this spaceship with people alive on it, complete the mission and keep everyone safe the machine has already like stopped
1: listening after like complete the mission or
0: yes it has already internalized my first my primary objective is to complete the mission if i can keep everyone else safe while doing so cool but you know the second those two goals come into conflict with each other it's it's gonna go crazy
1: well, Zach, that's why, isn't it Asimov that had like the three rules that were supposed to be like perfect for robots? Do you know what those are off the top I of your don't. head? We, we, I think we've reached the I know, tip of I know. What okay. I know about. <laughs> oh, this. okay. I thought you were going to say, I think we need to get into it. <laughs> no, like,
0: I don't know. I'm interested in this stuff, but it's like, it's not what I've It's not well, what I studied, you know?
1: So I remember reading about this after like iRobot came out all those years ago. And I was like, this is the coolest movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and um, the guy who wrote that book and he wrote like a million books on like robots and like science fiction books. He was like the person, his name's like Isaac Asimov and, it, and he had and the three laws of robotics that were like built into robotics in like his world were a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. A robot must obey orders given it by human beings except where such orders would conflict conflict with the first law, and a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. so it's like you know they can you know I guess that's to give it like a hierarchy of. Good things. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever
0: seen the. <clears throat> I, I'm probably going to cut this, so don't worry about time. I'm just enjoying talking to my buddy. about Okay. This. Um, have you ever seen like the <laughs> kind of experiment or teaching tool where like. You have the ingredients laid out for a peanut butter jelly sandwich and you tell like kids, okay. Instruct me how to make this sandwich and they're like, OK, spread the peanut butter on the sandwich or on the on the bread. And it's like without taking the bread out of the bag and without opening the peanut butter jar, you just start rubbing the jar on the bread. And they're like, no, that's not what I meant. And you're like, well, tell me what you meant. And they're like, OK, open the bag. And you literally have to have them tell you step by step or you do like some silly stuff. Yeah, like that's how right. that's how robots think.
1: That's interesting. I've never I I have never heard of that. But now I want to go into a kindergarten room and do that with a bunch of kindergartners.
0: doesn't even have to be. You can do it with like middle schoolers. And it's just the human mind processes. Well, obviously, the first step is actually take it out of the bag. Obviously, the first step is unscrew the jars and get a knife. But they don't think to say that.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Okay, I like it. Any more robot facts you want to do? I don't think you should cut any of it. Okay. We're only right. fifteen minutes. <laughs> and and I have a feeling these these two might go by quickly. <laughs> yeah. I'm good on robot facts. Do you have anything? Okay. Um I don't have any more robot facts. Nope. Well, it can be non robot related. <laughs> No, I, I, I do have one thing that I was thinking if I'll save to the beginning or the end and I'll put it at the end. Okay, cool. I also have something at the end to okay. pick us up from these downer issues. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, Better Business Bureau, take it away. And then, and then we'll get into some Spider-Man, some ultimates. Yeah, no Spider-Man to be found here today,
0: unfortunately. Oh, we
1: did get a Spider-Man reference, though. We did. Mm-hmm. Every business says they're better, but the ones that earn and display the BBB seal back it up. It instantly identifies businesses that are committed to operating with integrity, honoring promises and telling the truth. Makes you wonder why every business doesn't have it. So look for it because it's looking out for you. That's why it's the sign of a better business and find a better business anytime at bbb.org. And we're back. All okay, right. episode 18 for us, issue yes. six and seven, which basically means it's episode 19, because Zach wouldn't let me change the, the way we count episodes. <laughs> I'm sorry. When you look at a book that has
0: a prelude and then it goes into chapter one, they don't call it chapter two. That's a good point. I don't have any, I don't have any argument. Yeah. Anyways, um, starting off with issue six, this is written by Mark Millar, and it's credited as art by Brian Hitch and Andrew Curie. We know Brian Hitch does pencils. I don't know if Andrew Curie does colors or inks on this one, so I'm just going to, he might do both. I don't know. I'm just going to say art by Brian Hitch and Andrew Curie. We open on the lobby of the. And it's called
1: Giant Man versus the Wasp. Yeah. And my first thought was aren't these guys on the same team? Aren't they married? Yeah, actually that should not have been my first thought. <laughs> I don't yeah. ever think of them as being married. It took me like halfway through this issue to be like, oh yeah, they're married.
0: <laughs> Her name is Janet Pym, not Janet Van Dyme. Janet Dime. Van Dyme, yeah. Yeah, um. Yeah, I think that was I'm just going to say it. I think that cover and that title is very gross because they're also in their superhero costumes and they look like they're standing like close to each other like in a you know, loving way. When it says Giant Man versus the Wasp, you think they're going to have like some philosophical disagreement or maybe they're in their superhero costumes and they're like fighting each other you know, to train and, and it's like a fair thing. That's not it. I think this was a pretty gross way to describe what actually happens in the issue. Yeah. Okay. I agree. But anyways, we open on the lobby of the Triskelion, which is serving as a makeshift relief center following the Hulk attack. And there are people on gurneys, EMTs and firefighters, and hundreds of people standing around. And we see Nick Fury and Betty Ross enter an elevator together. And Betty tells Fury she feels partly responsible for all of this. But Fury tells her she wasn't the one pushing over buildings. And I put in my notes, she goes on to grossly talk about how flattering it is that she made... Bruce that jealous. Yeah, I put that in my notes too. Absolutely disgusting. This dude killed over 300 people. All of Manhattan looks like a war zone and she's like, "Oh, it's kind of romantic though, right?" <laughs> Absolutely terrible. And then I said Nick Fury uses the R word for no reason. So, oh yeah. Right off the bat this uh this issue
1: is batting zero. Yeah. Um Yeah, but but I will say did you skip over one of the one of the only good parts of this issue? Apparently um, I did. I think you did. I I I've got three things here that are positive notes about this issue, and one of them is Nick Fury and Betty talking and and Betty says now, when I see him locked up in this holding unit, he designed. Uh, doped up to the eyeballs and trying to recover from all those broken bones, he picked up as the Hulk. And then it immediately goes to Banner's face that Cap just kicked in. <laughs> and, yeah. and and now I was like, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I will also mention um, kind of a cool thing is the. The holding cell that Banner designed for the Hulk, it's the same one that we see in the Avengers that they stick Loki in that they designed for the Hulk on the helicarrier or whatever they were on.
0: Yeah, it's almost like this series was the quintessential influence on that or movie. it's plagiarism. <sighs> I don't know that Marvel can plagiarize Marvel. <laughs> No, yeah. If that's, if that's the case, those movies have a lot of splaining to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, Betty tells Nick that the smart PR move is to basically lie about Banner's connection with the Hulk. Not tell anyone. And just let the team look like solutions to a problem. And that's exactly what they do. And we switch scenes to Manhattan where the Ultimates are being interviewed on TV amidst the rubble. And did this did like just the background of of this scene
1: feel weird to you? Did it strike you anyway? Um, I yes, it did. I didn't I don't think I even thought about it and like that that it would strike me as weird. but. When I first looked at it, you know, the first picture we get, it looks like a city has been destroyed and then it cuts back and then we see the heroes from the other side being interviewed and there is like this screaming crowd of people that look like they just like they're the New York Mets just won the World Series and they're like at a victory parade. So I did notice that for a second. I was like, are they in the same place? like I had to go back and like look at the first picture and so I don't know is that what you're talking about no I mean that's interesting and that's all there but to
0: me I mean this comes so close after 911 and it yeah I understand Hulk destroyed buildings and flipped over cars and there it would look like a disaster scene but I mean there's even like Pictures of like steel beams and like walls that are still kind of standing for several stories. It it literally looks like they're at ground zero.
1: Wow. And you know what's kind of, um, uh, I know we're a kids friendly podcast, but I'll say douchey and we can cut that if we want to. What's that? Um, this isn't going to be a very f- fr- uh, family friendly episode. Anyways. But I mean, in, we'll in try, this- but. The content, it
0: just isn't going to be there.
1: In the shot of the city like destroyed, I thought that this was maybe even a statue until I zoomed in. But Captain America is just like standing in this like destroyed city in a triumphant pose, like holding his shield up like. Oh, yeah. It's like he's posing
0: for a painting or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That is that is kind of douchey. So the team is being interviewed and Cap says he has several broken bones, but they should fix themselves up in a day or two. And Tony said he probably wouldn't have been brave enough to fight the Hulk without the help of a little liquid courage. And Thor insists that while he came to help the Ultimates this time, he is absolutely not on the team. And Janet tells the cameras, oh, don't worry about Giant Man. It might be a few weeks until he can do another height multiplication, but I think his ego took a beat, beating more than anything else. And we see a crew of firefighters standing around an unconscious giant man who had fallen through a collapsed building. And later on, we see a phone conversation between Fury and Janet. They're talking about all the
1: interviews and sh- social events the team has scheduled now. And Zach I thought when I looked at this page and like read it the first time I was like is Janet cheating on Hank with Nick Fury because I didn't I don't think I like realized that they weren't in the same I was thinking Janet was like getting out of bed in the shower like with Nick Fury in the other room. Yeah she's in a towel they are talking on the phone though. Yeah. But that's why when I when later on when when, she, when she's talking about being married, I was like, wait, but wasn't she with Nick Fury? Um no, she
0: was not. I, I, yeah. But she says, to be honest, it's just nice having an excuse to get dressed up again. All Hank and I usually did on Friday night was rent a movie and eat takeout. And they change to talking about Thor and Nick wonders if he'll come to the party at Tony's house since Tony's the third richest man in the world. And Janet says she doesn't see why not as Tony and Thor really hit it off well after fighting the Hulk. She says Captain America watched them talk and laugh together for an hour and a half, which again feels like a really weird thing to do when everyone else is in disaster relief mode and there's like, People trying to get reunited with their families and, you know, people getting CPR and stuff.
1: Yeah. Wow. So do you think that's a line about, like, Captain America being upset that they were talking and laughing while this was going on? I didn't take it that way. I think he just noticed. Okay. I didn't either. Yeah. But later on, well, I do think there's a scene where Captain America is watching people kind of talk and laugh and he is internally getting frustrated with them.
0: Yeah. Maybe a little.
1: We'll get, we'll get to it.
0: Yeah. I know. Um, Nick admits that he spent six months trying to recruit Thor. And the one thing he never thought to do was take him out to dinner. So I think that's kind of interesting. He just, the way he thinks, you know, he sees people as, Oh, they can be bought or they can be bargained with or, you know, they just haven't gotten the right pitch. He doesn't think maybe they just want a friend.
1: (laughs) Maybe Thor just needs a friend.
0: (laughs) The scene changes and we see Tony inviting Thor and cap into his Park Avenue penthouse. And he mentions that it's been a few weeks since fighting the Hulk and calls it the most exhilarating experience of his life, which again is weird. Yeah. Cap expresses some mild dissatisfaction at lying to the public about Banner, but admits he's not going to do anything about it. And meanwhile, at Hank and Janet Pym's place, Janet is dressed to go out and Hank is on the computer.
1: Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can I cut back? You skipped over another, another one of my three good things in this issue. Three things, three things well, that's um, more than I found. So, so tell us what it is. <laughs> okay. So they are, I hope maybe I didn't go back. Yes. Okay. So, so Jarvis comes in and he's talking to like Tony about something and they're kind of like giving each other crap. That seems like that's what like Jarvis and Tony don't have a great relationship or Jarvis. I don't, I don't, I don't know, whatever. It's not that important, but. Yeah, okay. Um, real quick. You
0: know what they, they remind me of. What? Have you seen Archer? No,
1: I haven't. But I know it's
0: also a really good one. Oh, it is so good. They remind me of like Archer and Woodhouse. If the listeners can like
1: picture that relationship. Okay. Um, Well, Jarvis makes a dig at Tony and then Tony tells him, I thought this was your night off, Jarvis. Aren't you supposed to be going to the club tonight with Alfred and all those other old degenerates? And that has to be a Batman reference, like snuck in there where all these butlers are hanging out together. Okay, yeah, I didn't put that in my notes, but that did make me smile. So, okay, that was that was the second thing that I noted that I liked about this. I am curious to find out what the what the third is. So am I. I don't remember it. It's at the bottom of my notes and I'm not scrolling down to read it. Now I just want like
0: a comic that's like across multiple universes. Jarvis and Alfred and Woodhouse and just go would out for a a wild boys' night, like at a pub <laughs> or Vegas. Like I'm thinking, like you know that Last Vegas movie that came out years ago with a bunch of old guys just like, doing the city.
1: That that would be good. You know what? You know what would be a good one is these butlers. They go, they like go out somewhere like on a bachelor party or or a Vegas trip or something. And then something happens where now they have to be the ones that save the day. And they like, you know, they're out of their element, but they've seen all, you know, they've seen Batman and Iron Man do this a million times. So how hard can it be? I think it'd be
0: a funny little bit if they like saved up their money and you know, went to, like, a high society place that their employers would usually go to. And, like, they're ready to be the patrons for a change, and they just instantly exude, like, butler or waiter vibes, and people start (laughs) treating them like they work there. That would be really funny. This is the most fun you can get out of issues like this, is talking (laughs) through them with a friend and just completely disregarding what's actually happening in the yeah. issue. Um, so Hank anyways, and Janet
1: are back at their place getting
0: ready. Yeah. If I start groaning through all of this, you'll have to forgive me. Um, Janet says, I thought you said you weren't going to work tonight. And Hank responds, I think I'm just going to skip this thing at Stark's place. I told Fury I'd meet with him later in the week to talk about the Ant-Man helmet, and I really want to finish it up. And she tells him, that's hardly an emergency. If you're trying to make up for the way things panned out with the Hulk, you're just being silly. You were amazing back there, sweetheart. Really, really brave.
1: And Hank says, I did not think she was patronizing him. I thought she was being serious. And it sounds like the way you just read it, you felt like she was patronizing him. I,
0: I think you can read it multiple ways. I think well, could, just like Hank, I, I think it depends what mood you're in. Like, yeah, yeah. It you could see the really, really brave as patronizing. I think you're probably right, and I'm just, I'm already so over this issue. I'm reading it with an <laughs> attitude. But however she meant it, she ta- he takes it that way. He says, "Don't patronize me, Jan." God, why do you always do that when you know it drives me nuts? And she changes the subject and asks how she looks, and Hank tells her, You don't want me to tell you what you look like. Are the push-up bra on high heels for Roger's benefit or Stark's? And he just keeps saying horrible things to Janet before calling her a mutant and saying Captain America
1: wouldn't be interested in her if he really knew what she was. Did her and Captain America make out in an earlier episode? He mentions like Captain America's tongue down her throat and he says these things and I'm like, did that ever happen? I don't remember that. There must've been some panel where like she gave him a peck on the
0: cheek or something or, or he's just blowing their shopping trip way out of proportion. Yeah. But that definitely has not happened. Okay. Um, But he says, but this is news to us that she's a mutant because they've all said, oh, that poor little wife that he shrunk. Now we're learning that maybe he didn't. And he says she eats caterpillars and beetles and leaves eggs in their bed every six weeks. And he tells her her hygiene makes him sick to his stomach sometimes. So she's like maybe an actual wasp person, but he's throwing that back at her. And this is just a lot of back and forth and I'm taking out the (laughs) nasty stuff and I'm not really trying to read exact quotes, but we find out that Hank only got his job with shield by taking credit for giving Janet her powers and that he created his giant man formula after taking her blood sample. So she's kind of hitting him back with everything you are is because I made you that. And eventually Janet tells Hank that Bruce Banner was tr- twice the gentleman that he could ever be. And that's the last thing Hank wants to hear. And he responds by hitting Janet in the mouth.
1: She, she, she doesn't say gentleman. She says he's twice the gene man you'll ever be. Like scientist about genes. Oh, Which is, which is, which is even funnier than saying gentleman because it has like, who calls it a gene man?
0: (laughs) In X-Men, there's a thing called the gene engineer, and it's just an like a, an engineer for genes. He's kind of like a, oh, I would have loved it if she had said that. It's kind of like a evil Nazi scientist, dude. Uh... But. Yeah, that's funny. When you're tired and you see Gene man, you your brain turns it into gentlemen. Yeah. And I thought there was an implication there that her and Banner had dated at some point. Yeah. But Hank hits her in the mouth and he starts to apologize. But Janet elbows him in the nose and hits him in the head with a radio. And we switch scenes and see Thor cap and Tony's meal at Tony's place. And Cap and Tony press Thor on what he is. And he reemphasizes that he really is the son of the Norse god Odin. And they ask him to join the team.
1: Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Stop the press. Yep. Because I read this as. He. Okay, so he says, I've known who I was since I was 12 years old. But it wasn't until I had a nervous breakdown that everything became clear to me. I am God made man, the living incarnation of a Norse thunder de- deity. So he's not the Thor. He is an, a living incarnation of Thor. Like Buddha is like, you know, the next Dalai Lama is like supposed to be like the reincarnation of Buddha. That's what he says. And that was something I didn't like. Of course I was like, so this is not with Thor. This is like, just some kid who they decided to make Thor.
0: Yeah. I mean, that kind of goes back to like the original Stanley Jack Kirby version of the character where he's like, Oh, he's this doctor, but then he turns into Thor and that kind of fell Uh, by the wayside. But it's, we're supposed to be asking these questions like the same way the characters are asking, is this guy for real? We are supposed to be asking, is he for real? Okay, but yeah, good catch. I there's a lot more dialogue in this issue than I had remembered, and I kind of flew past some of it. Yeah, Um, but they try to get him to join the team again for like the millionth time. And Thor gives his typical moral objections against the military industrial complex, but says if there's ever a genuine problem where people's lives are in danger, all you have to do is give me a call. Which is like every instance the team would ever be used. That's called joining the team, Thor. Yeah. And Cap responds, great. This way we get you for free. And we cut back to the Pym house. Where we get way too many gratuitous panels of Hank attacking Janet. Um, they're just, it's very gross. Very graphic. And she shrinks out. I of think her-
1: I think I think that might be exactly what I said was like, it's pretty violent. and it it's You know, it looks pretty graphic.
0: Yeah, you got the point across a long time ago. Arguably, you didn't even need to show that if you really thought you needed domestic violence in this book to progress the plot or to make a statement about, you know, how wrong it is, which I don't even feel like this is doing. I feel like this is just using it as like a. Ooh, look at us. We're touching a taboo topic. Aren't we so mature? Yeah. Um, you could have just had her like had people comment on, "Hey, Jan, you've got some bruises. Are you okay?" You know, that feels a lot more sensitive than this. But she shrinks out of her clothes to get away from him and starts zapping her with his with her stinging powers, which I guess like not great. She's using powers now to, to fight back and retaliate. But you know what? Like, they're already in the situation. Like, I get it. Um, And Hank responds by grabbing a can of Raid. And he starts spraying her with it while mocking her pain. And she runs under his desk to try to get away from him. And he squats down and says don't think I can't get to you just because you're under a big heavy desk. I'm a smart guy. Remember? And he puts on his ant man helmet and instructs hundreds of ants to attack her and says, you shouldn't have made me look small, Jan. And we see his expressionless emotionless face in the helmet. As he says that, and he looks like the
1: scariest person you've ever seen in comics. He kind of looks like a robot. Like who like doesn't understand how horrible he's being, you know it just like is what it is, you know from from this, this point is just... on
0: there's no way he could ever be a heroic character again. okay, Isn't I was it?
1: think no, I was thinking that between this issue and the next issue, I was thinking that I was like, I, he can't come back on the team. There's no redemption for for this. It's pretty. I think maybe you skipped over a little bit of how uh, like the specific awful parts of, of this fight that were to me, which was him bragging about spraying her with the like insect killer. And he's like bragging that it feels like napalm to her, you know? And so you can tell she's like being poisoned all over. And then the, the, The scene of Janet under the desk, like hunched up naked with all of these like ants rushing towards her and like crawling on top of her is also pretty unsettling and just like awful. Yeah, I
0: I really was not trying to go into that much detail. Honestly, the way I remembered this issue was that it would had it had less plot relevance. I thought this segment went on longer because every bit of it is just so horrible it sticks in your mind, and I thought that was like the whole issue. And I I literally was like, "Yeah, we're gonna spend like five minutes on this because it does not deserve to be talked about." But then I get angry and I want to talk about it out of anger. <sighs> we're almost to the end. Um. Meanwhile, at Tony's place, Thor and Cap uh, try to figure out Tony's motivation for for becoming Iron Man, and they they kind of suggest maybe it's making him more money, maybe it's a marketing ploy, maybe it's for the girls. And Tony reveals he has an inoperable brain tumor, and anywhere between six months to five years to live. And then, I guess to try and lighten the mood. Tony presents Steve with a gift, which is his old helmet from during the war. And the three men raise their glasses and toast to Hank, Janet and poor little Bruce Banner without whom I think it's safe to say the three of us wouldn't be standing here this evening. And we cut back to the Pym's house one last time where Hank is slouched against the wall and says, Oh my God, Janet, what have I done?
1: Um, You did skip over my last thing that I liked about this issue. Of course I did. I skipped over all three. So, well, they're they're all like small things because I don't like anything about this issue. But the things I do like are just things that are kind of added in. And one of them is so Tony gives Captain America his helmet. And he says, a fat middle aged woman called Ellen Kowalski. This is where he got it. Cap says, where did you get it? And he says, a woman called Ellen Kowalski. She told me her father brought it home from the war and that it once belonged to the bravest man he ever knew. Do you know who that Kowalski is? He was the guy that was doubting him, wasn't he? Yes, yes, he was. Yep, which was my other thing that I really liked about this issue. I did not catch that at first, but I do
0: remember reading issue one. And every time that guy came up, I was thinking Kowalski status report. (laughs) Wait, why were you thinking that? Penguins of Madagascar?
1: I don't know that. (laughs) Okay. But that's funny that that's that's what you're thinking. Yep, so that was my other thing that I got to.
0: I have a meme saved in my camera roll just to respond to, like, on Twitter. And it's just one of the penguins saying, Kowalski, analysis. And then the other penguin (laughs) has, like, a notepad, and he says, banger.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite thing to leave on good tweets that's awesome um i didn't like the way it ended because they didn't tell us what hank did i you know the last thing we see is like like i said janet in that scene with all the ants so i didn't i didn't like how it ended um you know i think it's a pretty gross cliffhanger to leave it on i think it's pretty gross entire
0: thing yeah This was, here's the thing that's wild to me. And I had forgotten this until I reread it. This would have been a gross issue from the first few pages, just of Betty being like, oh, it's kind of romantic that he killed all those people because he misses me so much. And then Nick saying whatever, yeah. Using the R word.
1: Yeah. This was Um, already despicable. And it is. Not only are the parts with Hank and Janet awful, which we've covered, but the parts with Cap Tony and Thor, those are my three favorite characters and they are just boring. They're just boring. They're, they're together the whole issue and they're just boring. They're just sitting there making small talk, which could be good, you know, but it's not. It's just, you know, one one of the A plot is boring and the B plot is awful or vice versa whatever one you want to call which one um, even Thor who we've
0: said has shown in every moment in this series so far he's
1: not a foil to these characters anymore he's just one of them yeah um the last thing i want to mention on this is did you see any similarity between okay so the dig that jarvis makes at tony early on is because tony puts on some like purple smoking robe and he kind of makes fun of him it's like his mom's smoking robe whatever and then we cut to janet and hank and janet is in her purple dress and we cut back and forth between those two scenes and i think I think there has to be some reason that they, because the purple color that Tony is wearing and the purple color that Janet is wearing both stick out like a sore thumb in the scenes. And I'm just wondering if you think, if you can think of any thematic reason that they would do that apart from Tony just has a purple smoking jacket and Janet happened to be wearing a purple dress and there's really nothing to it, you know?
0: I think that is the kind of detail that in a better comic would mean something you know but in something like this i really think it might just be i
1: couldn't think of any i couldn't think of any 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 reason for it at all so i was like their situations are so different and there's nothing like i didn't know um So I found like three redeeming qualities on this. So I decided to give it a three out of 10, but you could give it a two out of 10 or a one out of 10. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Dude, I'm giving it a zero. This is
0: legitimately one of the worst overall comic issues I've read in my entire life. One of the most upsetting. And it's not for any bigger plot reason. It's just, Hey, the Comics Code Authority is dead. We haven't been bought out by Disney yet. Mark Millar always tries to be an edgelord. And we're just gonna make this the darkest universe possible because it's not main Marvel continuity. So so why not? That was just the that was just the vibe back then. And it's important to understand that this is the totality of the rest of the ultimate universe besides what we see in ultimate spider-man because ultimate spider-man is like the the hopeful likable book of the of the whole bunch but like this is the universe he's living in and these are like what all the other heroes are like
1: yeah and that kind of colors the environment you know Yes. And I, that's for for a second when you were talking I was thinking so why are we reading this? <laughs> but then but then you were like because it's the ultimate universe and Sp- we're doing Ultimate Spider-Man and I was like oh yeah this is the same universe
0: when he meets up with these people or when he looks up to these people and doesn't know them fully or um you know whenever there's like big crossover events that affect Spider-Man and it's like well this seems weird it's because this is the sentiment everywhere else is like, these are broken, faulty people who don't deserve their powers. Except for him. And I will say, you know, the ultimates does have redeeming qualities. It can only go up from here, baby. Um, (laughs) I think, I think we will find that we like the later issues of it better. And then at some point, you know, Spider-Man will meet the Ultimates.
1: Well, I'm just wondering who's going to be on this Ultimate team because Banner is un- irredeemable and Pym is irredeemable, and you know we didn't even touch on it. But Thor in the last issue was like this this issue that we. So I guess we're touching on it now. But he was like, the Earth needs to be purified, and Captain America's like, what do you mean purified? And Thor is like. These kids are playing too much PlayStation 2 these days. <laughs> and it's like, OK, now now we are just kind of turning Thor into like a, a, a you know, crazy left wing liberal who gets mad at everything. And, it, you know, I, he's kind of becoming a parody of earlier on where we were like, Thor is bringing up some valid points.
0: Yeah, exactly, and that's why I didn't give it too much credence. And you were like, "Oh, I think you know maybe this book is taking his side." No, they were just writing him a little too well, and I think this is them pulling back and being like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! We don't actually support all that like hippie peace crap. We, yeah. we need to make make
1: it clear that he's the wackadoo in the bunch." Yeah, um, I'm also really tired of Tony having green slime on him every time his helmet's off in the Iron Man suit. Yeah, that's never really been addressed.
0: <sighs>
1: um. Okay. But like do you I have said, any-
0: I th- yeah. I feel like if I was in that suit naked, like apparently he is in this universe, and it's just all metal. Like I think I would get hot and chafe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It makes sense. I don't like it, but it makes sense. (laughs) Um, Do you have anything else for it, or should I go into issue seven? No, I'm excited to be done with this. Okay. Um, Issue seven, written by Mark Millar, penciled by Brian Hitch, inked by Andrew Curry. Do you have anything else to add on that, Zach? Did it actually say it was inked by him? It did did say those three things, so that's
0: what I... OK, cool. so then I'm guessing he did the inks the last time and we just don't know who the
1: colorist was. Um, so we open on St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. And Zach, if this is a funeral for Wasp, I'm going to freak out. I, I'm i read, right. I'm reading my notes to you, by the way. So so obviously now I know what happened, but I'm reading you my real time thoughts I legit might not finish the episode if she got murdered by ants while naked hiding under the desk at the control of Ant-Man. Um, so let's see. Okay. So <laughs> where are my notes here? I must have been like out of my mind re- reading this. Okay. So last night or this morning, last night. Yeah, me too. Um. Okay. So, what I think is happening on the first couple pages is we're cutting back and forth between like a mass funeral slash remembrance for all the people that died during Hulk's rampage. And Janet is being taken in an ambulance. So, so they're kind of like juxtaposing those two things. So, so thankfully Janet is not dead. Um, yeah, so The event at the St. Paul's Cathedral is like this memorial service. Yes. And both scenes are kind of cutting back and forth. And being like played over the top of them is the eulogy that someone is giving for all the people that were lost that I don't think we know who's giving it yet. Um, Okay, so Cap's giving the eulogy and... Which we do see at that time. And then we cut to a doctor speaking with Bruce Banner in his holding cell. And I'm immediately getting bad guy vibes, kind of like the doctor that comes and talks to Bucky Barnes in Civil War. But we'll see. The doctor tells Bruce that they brush everything under the rug and the public has no idea that Bruce is the Hulk. But because of Bruce's experiment injecting himself with Steve Rogers' blood, his Hulk blood cells don't seem to be going away like they usually do. They're just now a constant in his body. So he kind of insinuates that Bruce is like locked in the holding cell. And did you notice something else about that?
0: Um I I think that maybe insinuates the reason why you thought he was turning red for a while and why. He was originally described as green, but now moving forward, the Hulk is gray. Because they're kind of like more one person now. I I just think or- he messed with his cells. I think he changed, you know, oh, okay. himself and the Hulk and the relationship between himself and the Hulk.
1: So now the Hulk okay. doesn't
0: even look the same as he used to. OK, um,
1: that makes sense. I didn't I didn't put that together. Uh so Bruce kind of gets angry and he's like I'm not spending the rest of my life in this holding cell. Get me a real doctor to look at my blood. I want Hank Pym looking at my blood. And they're like, well, well. you know, he's on <laughs> He was he's informed that Hank Pym disappeared. So back at the remembrance, Fury and Betty are talking about Cap delivering the eulogy and I said the words, that was Betty's fault. But now I'm maybe confused about what I was referring to when I said that. Well, she Um, does something pretty awful. What does she do? What am I thinking Keep
0: in mind, she's like the PR person. And she says something like... You know, I I didn't think it would be a good call, but that really did work. Having Captain America give the eulogies, these suckers really went for all that stars and Stripes bullcrap. And they're like still on the steps of the cathedral (laughs) around all these kids who just like lost their parents or something. And he's like,
1: show a little decorum, Betty. Yeah, that's 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 what I meant by fall. I should have said that was Betty's decision that Cap was the one to give the eulogy. And I said here, I kind of hate Betty and Fury. All they care about is PR. Like, does Fury even want to save the world? And Zach, do you watch The Boys? Yeah. I said, this seems more like he's Stan Edgar and he just wants to run Vault Vault International. And all he cares about are, are the points up or down and are they popular or not popular? And it's just like... I should say he seems more like Homelander because really that's all Homelander cares about. But but that's what it reminds me of, like that world where the the superheroes suck. (laughs) And that came out of a similar,
0: you know, sentiment as like the ultimate Marvel universe of like, oh, wait, it actually rules having, you know, these superheroes that are bad. What? Yeah, but there have to be some good guys present in your story. (laughs) When Betty was, like, saying that, it kind of reminded me of a scene in Hot Rod when, like, the EMT workers are, like, leaving the house because the stepdad, like, had some episode with his heart. And as they're walking (laughs) down the steps of the house, they're, like... I give the old man a week to live. And it's like they say that as a plot point because Rod is walking into the house and he's supposed to hear that and the the audience is supposed to hear that so they know what the stakes are. But this guy says, I give the old man a week to live. And the other one just looks at him and is like, that's really insane. Uh, <laughs> what does he say?
1: I, I, I don't know what he's, I don't know exactly what he says, but I can picture, I've seen, I love that movie. I think it's like as far as, rewatch value and like comedy value there is no funnier movie than hot rod
0: (laughs) even like if if
1: anyone listening has not seen hot rod it is so funny i just love it yeah even like the little
0: throwaway lines like that that you wouldn't notice if you're just like half watching it they're all gold (laughs) because the other guy calls Uh... him out on he's like uh that's really insensitive, Greg. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's the only thing those characters do. Oh, man. I Gosh, if we watched Hot Rod and I wrote down like every single joke that makes me laugh out loud to it, it would be like the entire movie. It's just so funny. That movie, Out Cold and Zoolander are what I think are the three funniest movies. I cannot rewatch comedy movies like
0: I have to wait like five or ten years before they're funny again i just watched dodgeball for probably the first time since middle school and i still was like oh yeah i like i know what's about to come like oh that was kind of funny but like you know i couldn't i couldn't watch it again and find it funny hot rod i legitimately watch five or six times a year and i (laughs) laugh in the same spots even knowing what's about to happen
1: it's it's so funny just to like praise Andy Samberg and that whole Lonely Island crew. That is funny. Pop Star is such an underrated movie that I, I also just, think is hilarious. I just watched Pop Star for the first time last night. Uh, really?
0: Yes, I had started it before and like not on my own choosing, but like oh, I can't finish this. I gotta I gotta set it down. And I I came back to it and finished it last night, and I was like yeah, that's pretty good.
1: <laughs> definitely um, no hot rod, but still no good. no, definitely not. but still still better than your average comedy. Yes. I loved those guys
0: on SNL growing up.
1: Yeah, and that was the next thing I was going to say. and all the lone every lonely island like skit or sketch is also just hilarious. yeah. um okay, so we're we're still outside the remembrance, and Bucky and Gale show up. And they thank Steve for saving everyone. And Steve is like, I didn't I I am so sorry. Like, I didn't know you guys knew someone who passed away in the Hulk tragedy. And they're like, we didn't. It's just something that you have to do. And I'm like, okay, there's a nicer way to say that, but you know, we just came to pay our respects. Any number really of other ways. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then Gosh, I just made the comment like three minutes ago that you know the the boys is great because they're still good people in the show. There are good characters, and they're just in this, not the
0: superheroes
1: yeah and and in this, you know, even Gail is like, Oh my gosh, the grandkids watch the fight every single day. it's just um, it's so great, and you know it kind of made me think about well, that's also really insensitive
0: yeah. because they're but, selling but- bootleg DVDs of the hulk fight yeah and they're like oh it sells it sold 15 million copies which a is funny because like less than 10 years after this the avengers movie is going to sell a boatload of tickets and physical copies and stuff but also it's like imagine like kids watching like 911. That's that's we keep coming back to it, but that is the comparison here. It's the same era, it's yeah. the same city, the wreckage looks the same. The way they're talking about like like the relief shelter and these rem, you know memorials and all this stuff like in this universe, I don't think 911 happened. We didn't see it happen. They didn't comment on it. The Hulk attack is their analogy to it and all of these heroes that are directly involved are just being so awful about it and it's being
1: like marketed as like an exciting thing yeah um this also did make me chuckle a little in my head because after the avengers movie came out i had a little nephew brock that was like 4 and he would come over cuz my mom would babysit him and we would watch the hulk scene where he transforms and then beats up everyone a million times a day it was like his favorite thing in the world so so as she's saying this i'm like that's really insensitive that's real people but also brock and i did the same thing to the movie when it came out (laughs) right
0: but that it wasn't i know it's,
1: it's not the same and it's not hulk going on the rampage it's him destroying aliens like of course it's different but it made me laugh in my head a little bit
0: and the Avengers movie goes very far out of its way to kind of present it as, oh, there was some property damage, but, you know, these yeah. few good guys were able to stop most deaths across the whole city.
1: Yeah. Um, And then Gale makes the comment that, like, well, it's good. It's so good that the kids have a good role model now, like you, Captain America, not like Spider-Man or those mutants. And that's where I put in my notes: why is everyone being racist as hell in this comic? Even the good guys, even the good people in this world are bad people. Like. Um I think maybe there's some
0: value there that it's like, you know, this person, Gail, who we don't know much about, but isn't supposed to be a bad character. Like she was engaged to Captain America. Like even she is in the wrong about like social issues. And it's like, we know people like that, you know, in our lives, but still it's, you're right. It does come across very weird. And in the same atmosphere as like the heroes being literal, like pieces of trash,
1: it's not a good look. There should be some
0: just genuine good people here.
1: Yeah. Yeah um so this isn't important but i wrote it down gail starts flirting with steve a little bit she says you look good steve and he says you too gail and it's weird because she's like 80 and steve rogers is the most handsome most is also 80 perfect but 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 he's not really and you know zach if you were a captain America who is the best at everything and like the best looking and, and you would not be flirting with an 80 year old woman. I don't care who she is. It just wouldn't be the case. So I didn't like it. Um, Cap is called away. Do you want to join in?
0: (laughs) I was going to say, I think he's just, he's being being nice. nice. Like he's obviously not about to make a move on her.
1: In, right front there in front of
0: Bucky. He's making her feel special. But Gail
1: is about to make a move right in front of Bucky. Yeah, I mean, she thinks she has a chance. Yeah. Um, so Cap is called away by Fury because of a new situation. They go to see Janet in the hospital, and she has huge bites on her that they have figured out are like ant bites. And, you know, Stark kind of puts it together that, like, well, she, you know. They're like, but ant's bites are small. And Stark's like, well, then she must have been like in her wasp form when all this happened. So a neighbor heard the fight happen. So they know that Hank is responsible for it. And he was spotted in a baseball cat with a duffel bag leaving the house in the middle of the night. And um, Fury is like, we designed Giant Man to be an action figure. He's not supposed to do stuff like this. And I I just don't like Fury. I'm just going to come back to me not liking Nick Fury. <laughs> so we cut to the Empire Diner, which I looked up and it is a real diner in New York.
0: I think this might also be where Mary Jane works in the first Spider-Man movie. Really? I don't know if that's right, but it looks
1: like it. Let's say it is because that's a good Easter egg. Um. So... Tony, Betty, and Stark are sitting and talking. Stark can't believe what happened. He said all Hank ever did was talk about how happy he was and how much he loved Janet. And Betty is kind of talking. And this is the first, this conversation, besides the fact that Stark is laughing about it the whole time through and he's being kind of insensitive, it is the first real and like, well done description of abusive relationships I think that they have because Betty is talking about how this was all it was in college also like Hank would you know be all like lovey-dovey and then Janet would come in with chunks of her hair missing and um I don't I don't like the conversation obviously but I think that this is a better way to talk about like abuse than showing it in like such an awful way
0: I i don't it almost like when we say showing it in an awful way it's not it's it almost feels like voyeuristic like it feels like yeah that's a good word like you know you're there in the room with them and it's like oh look at how you know like look at how violent that is isn't and it's like well and i also think it's that there's so insensitive definitely sensitive to her
1: there's definitely like something extra like bad about the fact that janet's naked when it's all happening yes there's like, a level of it you know that that too um so betty tells steve and Tony Stark about just like she kind of like runs down the list of like multiple times in college where Hank was abusive and, and it's pretty graphic descri- descriptions um, of like what's happening. And a woman walks up to flirt with Tony and ask for an autograph and he turns her down. He's like, I, I, normally, you know, but but we're we're all in a pretty bad mood right now. So so that's how you know it's bad. Tony's turning down women
0: and I think he was pretty nice about it, though. He said, darling, no, I'm so sorry. Normally I'd be delighted, but you caught me at a monumentally bad time here. Like I know. Like, so that's
1: like Tony Stark being like as sad as he can get, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe I was just in a bad mood, so I'm giving them all like, a little extra shade.
0: You almost want them to see this as as big of a deal as you do. To humanize yeah. them. Because if they just brush past this and are like, you know well, it's between them, that's a marital issue, blah, blah, blah. You would hate these
1: characters so much more. Yeah. Um, and we are kind of getting these panels of either Steve sitting next to like Tony listening to everything, or, you know, we even get just like a panel of Steve's face. And we can kind of tell that he is like stewing over this. Um, he's just got like a quiet anger t- to him and yeah,
0: the art is very good. Cause if y- you could miss it, you could just be paying attention to the people who are talking, but it's significant that he's yeah. not talking and he's looking would- down and his, f- his face is in shadow. The other two are pretty bright. They went out
1: of their way to shadow him. And, um, Tony asked Janet why she never talked about this before. And because she should have known that this would leave them open to a disaster on the ultimates, which is of course what Tony cares about. And she said, she tried to just like put it all out of her mind and she convinced herself, you know, it wasn't anyone's business, but theirs. And then just then we, we see the news and they're asking questions about the arrest warrant for Hank Pym for spousal abuse. And Tony says, well, it's everyone's business now, darling. And then kind of out of nowhere, we cut to a full page drawing of Thor drawn in like a Christ-like way with doves flying all around him. Um, and it does look kind of cool, but it also comes out of nowhere and it's pretty like tonally different. So we are back at the tri- <laughs> Triskelion <laughs> and Fury is talking to Black Widow over the radio and Thor is floating in the background of Nick Fury's office with doves all around him again. So that's where he is. And it, it looks like it's unknown to Fury because he's behind him. And real quick, this is the first time we've seen Black Widow
0: outside of that team up issue, right? Yes, it is. So yeah, if someone's so. just reading the Ultimates, they they might not know who she is at this point. Okay. Do you want to elaborate on that, or were you just? I mean, we've covered con- her in this podcast, yeah, but I just okay. think it's significant that this is her first appearance. You know, seven yeah. issues into the
1: series. Because where was she? We know Hawkeye wasn't at the party because he had to like he had like date night or something, His, and he couldn't He was, was on Black? vacation. He was on vacation. What was Widow doing? Do they say? I, I think she was know. on a mission or something. I think she's okay. a little
0: bit more business. But yeah. Um,
1: yeah, so she's. This is her first appearance. And then we still haven't even met Hawkeye. Well, so um, I'm going to take some liberties with what I assume they're talking about because they don't go into detail. So, Zach, if I'm wrong, just cut me off. So, Widow, Black Widow's talking to Fury, and she says that her and Hawkeye also have some bad news on their end because. Whatever they're doing, which I believe from context, they might be looking for like scrolls, which are shape shifting aliens that can like take the place of people. And she says there's f- over 500 sleeper agents that they need to find. And Fury offers the help of the ultimates. And Black Widow laughs him off. And this is why I think they're dealing with scrolls, because she says, let's leave the extraterrestrial threats to the big boys. Meaning her and Hawkeye. Like, they are the big boys, you know. They're the real, like, people who are getting stuff done here. So, that's why I thought maybe that's what they were looking for, scrolls. I, I, but they don't ever mention that fully. I'll just say there's more than one type of
0: alien in Marvel mythos.
1: Okay, okay. It was kind of the sleeper agents also that made me think it was that. Because I was like, they could be taken. But, okay, it sounds like I'm probably not right but they're looking for some sort of alien sleeper agents um so thor had a meeting with fury and it looks like everyone was supposed to have a meeting with fury thor apologizes for being late and fury's like it's no big deal stark is also like late and you know i think we're still waiting on rogers but but thor says he was fighting his evil half brother loki along with the midgard serpent And they're waiting for Cap, who's also running late. And Fury's like, man, this isn't like Captain America to let someone down. And then we see Cap sneaking into the satellite room. And he is tracking down Hank Pym's location on it. And Cap tracks down Pym to a pub in Chicago. And go kick his butt, Captain America. I I wrote here literally the only good character in the run. And I was hoping that something like this would happen when he was stewing in the diner. I was like, I hope that they show Cap just going and just like, just just giving him what for, as Captain America would say, mess him up.
0: I want to know if it was as easy as computer. Where's Hank Pym? I know. I know. Enhance. Did, hands.
1: So did Fury did already no know else? who that was? Yeah, exactly. I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, Captain America is not doing some hacking in the satellite room. He goes and asks for the location of Hank Pym, and it's given to him. Everyone else is like, oh, no, this is a PR disaster. But the, like,
0: <laughs> that, they're not going to get funny. him.
1: <laughs> yeah, that actually is funny. It's because they aren't even considering tracking him down. They just don't. They're just dealing about the PR aspect of it. Um, what did you think?
0: I don't know. Do we have a scale for this one? Uh, I think yes, I do. it made sense for the last one to not
1: have a scale, but oh, that's good. What, My scale wasn't wasn't very good on the last one, anyways. So what's what's this uh Okay, I said this. This is out of ten doves flying around Thor. Okay, because there was
0: quite a bit. There, there were a lot, <laughs> and it, it it's wild because it's like I don't know that new york is famous for its doves like if anything it should have been fat
1: pigeons he has to be bringing them around with him (laughs) he's like joe bluth (laughs) oh my gosh yes that is that's awesome um okay so out of uh, we demand to be taken seriously (laughs) that's like the ultimates are
0: just saying every time they show up so out of 10 dead pigeons in bags in Thor's refrigerator, <laughs> I give this Yeah. I give this one about 6 cuz it's still coming out of and responding to all the unhappiness from last time, but you can kind of see that the plot resolution is about to come with Hank Pem getting what he deserves. And everyone um, is still pretty awful.
1: I'm it's, I think it's I'm not a good be, 6. It might honestly it
0: might be a 5.
1: Yeah, and I, I was I I'm going to be a little um more criticizing to it. So, um I'm upset that we're now moving into a third issue with this spousal abuse stuff. This is a superhero comic book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, when it went into the second issue, I was already like okay, we have to deal with this for another issue, but but they need to wrap it up somehow. So, and when it ended still going into this third issue, I'm like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm just tired of it. So, um, I, I, you know, why did they choose to do this? It has the writer of this comic ever given an interview on backstory to why they, they did this. They wrote these great characters in this way. And like, um, Dude, when Mark Millar interviews come up on my
0: YouTube recommendation, I skip that. I'm like, let me listen to a creator I respect or care about. Yeah.
1: Um I said the only uh the only thing I really liked about this one was I I do think Captain America is being characterized better than he than I liked him in the first couple issues where he was back in 1945. Um I I just feel like he's the only one in these comics with any type of like moral ground. And even if he, even if he goes and is just beating up people with his fists, which is not always the way to solve your problems, you know, um, at least he had some anger towards banner for everything that happened. And at least now you can see that he really has some problems with what Hank Pym has done, not just in that it's going to hurt the team. He has some real moral problems with what has happened. And so I think he is the redeeming aspect of this run so far for me, uh, which, you know, he's my favorite character in general. So maybe that was just always going to be the case. But, um, I, I gave this one another three out of 10 is it's a better three out of 10 than the last one, but I, I di- didn't like it enough to give it a four and um, you know, I, I still had a couple good things in it. So I gave it a three.
0: I almost feel like I need to go down to a four because I'm realizing I've given Bendis Ultimate Spider-Man issues sixes in the past and nothing
1: he's written has been remotely this bad. Yeah um okay so those were fun maybe we'll get to see hank pym get his butt kicked in the next episode by captain america it won't make any of this okay or worth
0: it but it it needs to happen still
1: yeah and they need to not be put back on the team we need to not see a redemption arc for these two don't i don't want zach to give me any hints on what's going to happen but uh there needs to not be a redemption arc for banner and hank pym in this yeah so Um, on,
0: on a happier note i thought that this episode would be a lot shorter and i prepared something as kind of a palate cleanser um and listeners of the pod will know that i am eagerly awaiting the nfl draft you know football comics and punk rock are probably my three loves and uh, the month of April I'm always a nervous
1: wreck because two of those are very
0: well honestly. And that's all not of them-
1: just because it's tax time. No. That's a s that's a slight stolen joke from my favorite podcast, The Weekly Planet, where they always <laughs> they always say it's the spookiest time of the year around Halloween, and then they say, and I'm not just talking about tax season.
0: No, April is honestly exciting for all three of those fronts because the like big Summer crossover events are just around the corner with like comics, and then the NFL draft happens, and then it's when you start getting close to like the Riot Fest announcement coming out. So I have I am always a nervous wreck with just like excitement in April, and the NFL draft is next week, and I put on my scouting cap and I came up with comparisons to some of the prospects in this year's class two Marvel characters that we've encountered since we've been doing this pod. Oh, I love this.
1: So just going to, you know, well, well, I, I think I would like to be involved in this also. So you have made up your people. So can I try to make them up on the spot as we go through it? Each one.
0: Oh, like I'll name a player and you say what character. Yeah yeah
1: exactly you might not know all of them and i also don't know the players nearly as well as zach either (laughs) i know them on a very surface level i'll uh i'll i'll let you jump in i'll say the player's name and i'll
0: I'll see if you can like guess who you think they are
1: and these are characters we have encountered in our readings yes okay okay okay
0: Okay.
1: indianapolis's
0: own dewand jones offensive tackle from ohio state oh
1: i don't know who these i don't know i i i I was i thought we were gonna do like the four quarterbacks (laughs) they're on here so i said he is doc
0: ock because he has the longest arms in nfl history okay that's a good one deuce vaughn running back kansas state i don't know him either (laughs) He is the wasp because he is the smallest player, the shortest player ever measured at the NFL combine. Okay, these are good. I'll stop you if I know somebody. How about that? You're gonna, you'll know this next one. Will Levis, quarterback, Kentucky.
1: I am going to say, for Will Levis, I'm going to say, Shang Shi. Because he's like huge and ripped and he's probably like, he just seems like he's like built like that. You know, he's eating banana peels. He's doing his thing. Putting mayo in his coffee. Yeah. I said he is craving the hunter
0: because he's obsessed <laughs> with his better. craft. That's he's better. Yoked, and we don't know if he's for real. That's way better. Um, CJ Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. I said he's the punisher because he calls himself a ball placement specialist and he's accurate like a marksman. (laughs) Okay, I like that. That's a good one. All right. Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, Georgia. I said he's the Hulk because he's an unstoppable force of pure muscle. Um, his teammate, Nolan Smith, edge, Georgia. He like blew up the combine. Um, And so I said, he's Iron Man. He's got all the tools and he's a hard hitter who could also reach Mach 5 speed. Okay. And then, you know, this one, uh, Bryce Young,
1: quarterback, Alabama. I'm going to say this one is Peter Parker, Spider-Man, because, you know, he's he's like a little smaller than what you'd expect, but he's ready for the pros. Okay, I chose a different Shorty.
0: I said he's Wolverine. He's the best at what he does, and what he does is cut defenses to bits. He may be small, (laughs) but don't underestimate his killer instinct.
1: Oh, man, you prepared this so well. (laughs) I'm just going to let you keep going. I I spent an hour at
0: my desk one day this week typing this up. Getting no work done. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Bijan Robinson, running back, Texas. He is Captain America. He's the prototype, the type of running back every other running back aspires to be. It's like he was made in a lab to attain athletic perfection.
1: Nice. I was wondering who you were going to say for him.
0: Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. He's the Green Goblin. He's everything I just said about Bijan Robinson's athleticism, except bigger. Stronger, faster, and can throw literal fireballs. <laughs> and then finally, Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver, Ohio State, is our friendly neighborhood Spider Man. He's got short area burst and agility and sticky
1: fingers. Nice. That's a good one. Ooh, well, that was fun. Yeah. Good little palate cleanser. Yeah. Um, you have. Something I thought. Else? I I oh, sorry, I do have a couple things, um, too, and no, maybe even more. But one of them was I thought about putting something together and and typing something up because, um, it was actually kind of a monumentous occasion a couple days ago, Zach, and I just want to take a minute and appreciate someone, so. Yeah. Let me know if you're ready for this and if you can tell what what if this is a stupid thing or a serious thing based on how I'm talking. Um, but I Elon Musk launched a rocket a couple days ago, and I think it is just it's amazing to see what such a smart and capable person. I mean, honestly, Zach, did you ever think in your life? We would see a rocket go up into the air. I mean, I know it exploded like right after it launched. But, you know, we we might even be able to go to the moon one day with the help of Elon Musk and all the great things he's doing. I mean, could you imagine that? They never would have dreamed of something like that 50 years ago. A rocket. (laughs) Anyway, I just... I I I think he's a great guy, and he's doing great things, and I just wanted to talk about it. Did you see he lost, like, $13 billion in, like,
0: two days? Because Couldn't have uh, happened
1: to a better guy. (laughs) Tesla stock
0: plummeted, and then they took away, like, the blue check marks from Twitter, and then his rocket blew up, all within, like, 48 hours. Oh, man.
1: He's just trying his best out there. (laughs) Anyway... That is um, funny. And then I actually do have a, a, a cool thing. So I am going. It is my nephew's birthday today and I am going to their birthday party and he's a big, big Spider-Man fan, they said. So Elizabeth and I got him this Spider-Man web shooter that he can wear. It comes with like a glove and it's got like a canister and he can like shoot webs like Spider-Man. Is it Isn't that cool? String. Um, or water, webs or water. So it looks like it could do either. Silly okay. string or water, and it comes with a thing of web fluid. I had so. that as a kid, and I loved it.
0: And my I want it little- now. I
1: told I told her I think you need to get like two more for Zach and I.
0: <laughs> my little nephew loves Spider Man, and like a year or two ago, I got him that, and I remember it was like winter, and uh, his parents lived in a like a an apartment that they didn't have a yard or anything he and i went out on the balcony of this apartment and he chased me around like you know and you can only go you know like four feet this way and like two feet that way (laughs) he chased me around in winter spraying me with water saying pew 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 And he had a Spider-Man mask on and he was so freaking happy. And to this day, like whenever I'm having a bad day, those are like the videos I go back in my phone and watch. And it just picks picks me right up.
1: Oh, that was awesome. Well, this little kid is
0: going to love this, I think. Kids love that toy. That is a great toy to get any kid that likes Spider-Man.
1: Nice. Um, Let's see. So I had the Spider-Man thing I wanted to talk about. Um... And that was it. And my Elon Musk appreciation that I thought about writing out, but decided not to. Well, that's good. Um, do we have do we have any fan mail?
0: For today? Oh, my gosh.
1: And you told me there's a new segment that you want to add. Um, Let me let me find let me here. Do you want to introduce the new segment while I am uh, pulling the, up our what's the new segment? You told me you texted me like four days ago and said you have a new segment for the pod that you think I'm going to really like. It was the NFL draft thing. Oh, okay. That was the day I was
0: typing that up. I
1: thought thought you meant you had like something for like a weekly segment. No, not ongoing, unfortunately. Well, that's okay.
0: Still good. I mean, I guess Um, we can just keep finding more football players to compare people (laughs) to, but I think no one would like that as much as we do. Yeah, I'm a bit upset Kong didn't get any love, but, you know, at a certain point I had 10 players and I was like, most people aren't going to know some of these guys. But, you know, I so I was like, I, I had to stop myself because I would have just
1: kept going. This is from Brick Buffett, and this is on YouTube. And and also, yeah, I, I mean, definitely leave a comment and say how you found us if it's youtube or spotify or, or apple or anything like that brick says i got into your podcast recently and i love it i listened to it anytime i get the chance keep up the excellent work thank you so much brick it thank you, it brick. really does make me feel good um s- so send us some more comments <laughs> yeah uh brick you rule thanks yes, for listening brick you do rule um what are we doing next week what issues? Yes, next week we
0: are back in Ultimate Spider-Man. We're back in Ultimate Spider-Man that matters. We've I've really liked the last few episodes we've done, but you know, they weren't super continuity heavy. So, we're starting a new um a new story arc with issues 29 and 30.
1: 29 and 30 and and yeah, I read the last issue we read was just like a filler issue sidetracked. It was two filler issues. And then before that
0: was the annual. Yeah. So it's been about and a month. since that, we It did. was like the green goblin getting wrapped up. It's been about a month since we finished the goblin plot. So we're about to start another one. And uh, last night I read ahead and I like the arc we're about to go into. I think it's a good one.
1: Ooh, nice. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm excited. You got anything else for the web heads? I do not. You want to send us out? Yep. So thank you to Ian Hickey for our music and Alyssa Seaman for our artwork. You can find us on Instagram at First Read Podcast. And you can find us on YouTube where I always forget to look, but it's called the First Read Ultimate Spider Man Podcast on YouTube. So you can find us there as well. Um, See you next week for some better, not as awful issues. Bye. Cue the music. Oh, man, that reminds me. I meant to add Hank Pym to our list of uh, our Mount Rushmore of pieces of work.
0: Oh, he he is the perfect fourth member
1: well have you stopped recording this yet you can add this in after the fact yeah okay now now bye listeners he's the perfect fourth member with Gillette and who else uh
0: so it was Gillette and Norman Osborne and Justin Hammer
1: okay so Hank Pym's rounding us out so next time we meet someone who might go on that we we might have to kick someone out Yeah, instead they just go into
0: Disney's animatronic hall of pieces of work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny.
0: Okay, now for real. Bye.
1: Bye.